This recording is from Fintech Nexus USA, formerly known as Line of Fintech USA, held at the Javits Center in New York City on May 25th to 26, 2022. It's from the track The Shifting State of Fintech Investing, sponsored by Allen and Overy, and is titled Don't Get Caught and Bed. Speaking on this session is Rob Frauhein from Keep Financial. My name is Rob Frauhein. For those of you, I know actually a, a bunch of you here, so maybe many of you know me. Um, I am co-founder and CEO of Keep Financial, and I'm former, uh, well, I'm co-founder and longtime former CEO of Cabbage. Uh, so I'm here to talk about embedded finance today uh, and our special take on embedded finance. Uh, and one thing I didn't want people to get confused about, it's not embed finance. We leave that to SoFi uh, back in 2017. <laughs> Some people at least get that joke. All right, good. Was it too much? No, not enough? All right, great. Uh, 2009, let's go back to the uh, Great Recession of 2009. And you might think it's a really stupid time to start a business. I mean, we were in the shadow of the global financial crisis. We actually pinned under the foot of the global financial crisis. Um, And people thought, God, why are you starting a small business finance company out of Atlanta at a time when the whole economy is falling apart, and we were just really too dumb uh, to know. But, you know, is it bad to uh, start a company uh, during a uh, tough time in the economy? The short answer is no. Uh, The long answer is absolutely fucking not. Uh, It's actually a great time um, to start start a finance company or start a fintech in general. You see, when everybody's running in one direction, there's usually a huge amount of opportunity that exists in the other direction. Uh, so I've always been the believer in sort of an anti-herd mentality, um, and going from you know uh, you know so everybody's running one direction that they think is better. It's usually the opportunity, like I said, is in the other direction. So we're going to get back to uh, the early days. I call them the early days of fintech. Um, 2011, 2014, online lending was just getting started. Uh, there was a spark. There was a flame. Lendit was just getting started. Um, this is a picture from the very first Lendit. On the far right-hand corner, circled there, is my co-founder and longtime business partner, Catherine Petrelia. And I was uh, really interested to see this picture because she's actually wearing closed-toe shoes, which she hasn't worn anything but a flip-flop uh, since, like, 2015. So I, I've sent this to her and told her there is evidence that she actually wore real shoes uh, once upon a time. And my good friend Ron Suber uh, was really becoming the godfather of fintech. And I think this event and a couple of others really sort of, you know, made that, sealed that reputation that Ron had. Um, But fintech, uh, especially finance and lending, has uh, really wreaked all of us. Anybody here know who Ron Suber is? So a bunch of you do. Um, This uh, is Ron Suber this last weekend. Um, So yeah, that um, definitely wreaked havoc on him. and uh, back at that time, Cabbage was a great you know, company um, trying to um, build a brand out there. And there were a lot of others who were trying to do the same thing. We had Lending Club. We had Prosper. Ron was at Prosper. SoFi, already talked a little bit about them. Uh, Avant, uh, some of these companies are still out there on deck, uh, which was bought by Inova. Um, and, you know, we all sort of had the common belief that building a brand and going out there direct to customers, that was the way to go. That was the way to build a great company, a ton of revenue, do that. Uh, and Cabbage actually spent over a period of about eight or nine years, spent $240 million 
um, working to build our brand. And we did a relatively good job. I think we were recognized by like 3% of the population. Um, so we, uh, we spent a lot of money trying to build a brand. Um, and uh, we um, served a lot of small businesses, most importantly. But were we right? Um, should we have spent countless dollars on marketing uh, in this market? And by the way, um, I want to mention that I'm going to move through these. I have a tendency to move through slides very, very quickly. So, uh, so that's why you're seeing that. And hopefully it's not giving anybody seizures right now. But, um, we're going to take questions at the end uh, of this, or I'm going to take questions, I guess, not wait because I'm one person. Um, so if you have any questions, just hold them for the end. We'll do sort of an arm raise possibility. So were we right? Should we have spent, um, countless dollars, uh, on marketing in, in that market? And then the answer again is absolutely fucking not. Um, um, most of the companies in the direct brand online lending space um, suffered terribly from a valuation perspective. You know, we had Lending Club, Funding Circle, On Deck, all companies who went public, and we saw their enterprise values go down quite a bit. So if I had known then what I know now, what would I have done differently with Cabbage? Uh, and I would have focused on embedded finance. Um, that's what I would have done. And, and the fact of the matter is, some of you may not be aware of this, but we did a little bit of this, but didn't really focus on it. We had a relationship with Alibaba.com, uh, providing checkout, uh, lending at checkout, um, enabling um, small businesses who are accessing products or inventory uh, via Alibaba.com, via um, via Cabbage, and so we did that at the point of sale. We also licensed our technology to a variety of banks, Santander, ING, and Scotiabank all used it. Um, but it's important to understand why embedded finance is such a powerful way to build a fintech company, build a finance company. There are really only four expenses that online lenders face in going out there and doing the business. There are the cost of acquisition, the cost of bad debt, people not paying you back, cost of capital, you have to borrow money to lend money, and then you have other opbacks. When you embed your finance solution, you see three of these expenses drop tremendously. Um, so this is sort of breaking it down from an income statement perspective. Uh, first of all, usually your partner, um, if you're providing a finance solution um, within a checkout, for example, they're focusing on the acquisition and the utilization of that product. Um, it really drives down your bad debt when you know the reason or there's a, there's a purpose-driven reason um, for somebody utilizing your capital. And when you drive bad debt down, you drive the cost of capital down. So it's a, it's a function of that uh, when you go through. And you guys all that know these names, Klarna, Firm, Afterpay, and you might be saying um, that uh, wait, but their enterprise values are way down. Like, should that even be something we pay attention to? Um, it's all relative out there. In 2020, a firm's revenue was about the same as Cabbage's uh, in 2019. In 2020, theirs was the same as ours. Our revenue uh, was around half a billion dollars in 2019. It had four times the losses that we had. Um, yet, their current valuation which is about seven and a half billion or so dollars, eight billion is about seven times uh, cabbages when sold. Um, and so at one point it was, yes, it was 50x what ours was, but perspective again. You can build a really large company, a really successful company um, by embedding, and obviously on the partner side, it's a no-brainer to embed these solutions. Um, in, uh, in partners' websites because they, it allows them to keep customers close and to drive more revenue to those companies. So let's step back uh, for a moment and align on what the definition of embedded finance, because I think 
everybody has a very specific definition. I'm going to try to turn that on you a little bit right here. So uh, the way I define it is leveraging a finance solution within a technology pl platform to enhance outcomes intended by the original system. I know that's a mouthful, but basically a finance solution inside a technology platform to drive better outcomes. Okay, so clearly these are examples, putting lending within the POS. We just talked about that with what we did with Alibaba. Obviously what Affirm does with all of its customers, uh, and then Klarna and Afterpay and all these companies. <clears throat> Payments into invoicing is another one. Um, I spent a lot of time talking with Invoice2Go once upon a time, and they drove payments into their invoicing, their estimation, and their invoicing solution. Uh, and those are, those are good examples, but they're not the only examples. So when I think about Embedded Finance 2.0, um, there are a lot of major issues facing the world. Uh, and leveraging finance within some of those challenges uh, can come in many flavors. Uh, and the one that Keep Financial, the company that um, we just launched, I launched it with Catherine Petrelli, my co-founder at Cabbage, uh, and we launched last week and announced a raise with uh, Andreessen, is the world of recruiting and retention. Um, I don't need to talk to anybody here about the challenges with the great resignation. Of course, you're sitting there saying, is that even relevant now? I see so many layoffs happening out there. People are nervous about the economy. Nobody's ever going to quit a job again or do anything like that. But I can tell you from my own experience running Cabbage, we had two situations where we had to let people go. There was never a point in time that we gave, we were worried more about retention and recruiting people than when we were letting some people go because it was always a shift in our employee base, right, where we wanted to make sure that the people that we kept during that time, they were really important and obviously the best and most productive people in the company. We wanted to make sure they didn't get scared and spooked and ran away. We also still needed to recruit in certain areas in order to grow other functions. Um, so we would have to figure out a way to boost salaries and provide retention during that time. So I'm going to go back um, to the solution. Uh, which is in the world of compensation. Um, and I'm going to go back to the definition in a moment. But compensation is usually falls into one of four categories. There's your base salary, there's your annual bonus, there's some type of long-term incentive usually put into place, uh, and that's often stock, and frankly, it's always stock. And that's usually intended to make sure that you stick around the company for some period of time. And then obviously there are other benefits, right? There's health insurance and, and other types of, of benefits that are provided. Uh, the reality is stock options suck uh, for most employees. They really suck right now. If anybody read the article about uh, Bolt uh, today, where a lot of employees got stuck um, exercising options, they're confusing. They're very difficult for employees to understand the value of those. They're subject to the whims of the market. And we see, I don't know if these are whims or these are like, you know, worse than whims right now. Uh, and also the employee feels like they have little ability to control the outcome of what happens with the stock, right? So stock options are handed out because we're saying we're all in this together, right? We all want everybody to be together. Uh, and, um, and reality is the employees are sitting there saying, I'm not really sure I can tie what I do to this stock value, the stock price. And so they're sitting there, lots of options are being handed out by small and large companies, not just the tech companies that are out there, but large companies. Employees feel like they have no control over it. And then you see situations like what happened with Netflix recently, which is all of the stock options they've issued since 2018 are underwater. 
And um, I'm being told I have like another five minutes here before I have to get the questions. Thank you. Um, and, you know, the challenge uh, with that is, you know, they're all going back and asking to be repriced and have new options or get more compensation. And, you know, the executives want to say, well, wait, we're in this together, right? But the employees really don't feel that way. So what might um, be better than that? Um, cash with retention qualities, the cash with the same retention qualities that stock has. And that's what we've created to keep financials, something called a vesting cash bonus. And so I can sort of lay it out very specifically to you. I effectively give you access to that cash today, a bonus, but I have an expectation for you to stick around at the company for some period of time. And that period of time can vary. It can be a one year, it can be four years, it could be two years um, with quarterly vesting, whatever vesting schedule you want. Um, so I thought about this because I had an experience 20 years ago with this kind of compensation being given to a physician. I used to be a lawyer, a physician that was um, graduated from Harvard and took a job in a very rural town in Georgia. I was living in Atlanta at the time. And uh, I wondered why he would relocate there when he had offers everywhere. And it's because they gave that employee a forgivable loan. And so I thought, what if you could take that concept and make it available for any company to provide it to any employee instantly. Not necessarily hundreds of thousands of dollars, it might be a few thousand dollars, it might be a hundred thousand dollars, but what if you could give them that opportunity? Employees could get cash up front, and so they might be able to accomplish things in their personal life that they thought might take them years to accomplish, and the employee would in return re receive a commitment from that employee to stick around for a while. Um, so that's the platform we really built. I'll talk a little more about it for a second, how we accomplished this. We used embedded finance in the way I look at it. So let's go again uh, to the definition, what I had said a moment ago, which is leveraging a finance solution uh, within a technology platform that enhances outcomes uh, intended by that original system. So applying the definition to what we're doing, uh, fixing broken compensation is, how can we leverage a finance solution within a technology platform, that platform being the compensation system, um, to enhance outcomes intended by that compensation system, which is to be able to recruit people and keep them employed. Um, and, uh, uh, and this is exactly how we do it. Um, so first, uh, the employer and employee have that relationship they always have. Keep enters into a loan arrangement with the employee. It's a 0% APR loan. Um, and effectively, it's paid down over time by the employer uh, to reduce to zero once that vesting schedule has happened. We've leveraged a finance solution to allow them to give money to employees up front, but also ensure that the obligation remains, uh, that the employee sticks around. The exciting part about this as well is we're not only working on retention aspects, but soon we'll announce uh, the ability to embed some performance into that as well. There was $8.9 trillion paid in compensation in 2020. Only 2.3% of that was oriented towards bonuses. Um, we believe that a greater percentage of annual compensation be, should be focused on um, aligning the employer and employee, making sure retention and performance happens. Um, it's a huge market, uh, and really nobody has rethought or reimagined compensation. We say we're, we're the greatest innovation since the introduction of the stock option, uh, and um, we're excited to be part of that solution. So again, why alone? Why we did it as alone? It creates a clear obligation from the employee. Um, it allows us to report to the credit bureau in the event the employee has an unvested 
invested amount and doesn't repay. Uh, and it creates clear delineation from the employer. So we have the direct relationship with the employee. Um, it allows you to avoid payroll and compensation taxes um, being, um, being assessed to the employee at the time they receive the money. Uh, it's um, much better uh, than direct, uh, direct finance. So embedded finance solutions um, really can relieve you of a lot of the retail marketing burden of acquiring customers. And by doing it the way we're doing it, we're replacing what we did at Cabbage, which was a direct sale to a small business, which cost us over $1,000 a customer, to an enterprise sale. We get a credit-like return um, as Keep Financial, uh, and we really have little to no bad debt because the capital that we're using is either provided by the employer or it is guaranteed um, by the employer uh, at a markup when we provide capital um, to that employee. Um, we also have lots of opportunities going forward uh, because once we have a lot of employees on the system and they're getting a lot of cash earlier in their careers than they anticipated they would get, uh, we have the opportunity to provide them with keep bank, keep investing, and keep cards. So that's what we're planning to do. It works for both employees. It works for independent contractors. If you're aware, Uber, DoorDash, all of these companies provide incentives um, to their drivers or deliverers or other gig, gig contractors um, to ensure uh, ensure that um, they perform a certain number of deliveries or rides during a day, and we can allow them to actually give that incentive to um, their gig workers earlier in time. So embedded finance can solve the great, if it can solve the great resignation, uh, what else can it solve? And that's really up for you guys to figure out. Um, there's lots of challenges we're all experiencing in the world today, uh, and uh, we really think that embedded finance and embedded fintech in general can be a big um, solution for that. So I'm going to pause here uh, and feel free to also, by the way, find me on Twitter, find me on email or wherever else, LinkedIn. I uh, would love to connect with you, but happy to take any questions if there are any questions right now. How am I doing on time, by the way? Four minutes. Four minutes. Great. Awesome. I clearly answered everybody's questions. Anybody have a question they want to share? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I, I mentioned sort of invoice to go and what they've done on the payment side. So I think anytime you're, you're leveraging a, you know, putting a payment solution within, but I, I haven't seen many alternative um, embedded finance solutions. So uh, money is a great motivator. When we started Cabbage, um, one of the things we wanted, to, you know, a lot of people, a lot of venture capitalists who were meeting with initially had said to us, well, why will um, a, a small business owner give you access to their data? Because we require them to connect various data sources to their Cabbage profile. We said, because we're giving them money. <laughs> What's amazing about delivering cash to an end customer is it is, again, a great motivator, and it can really help action happen. Any other questions? All right, cool. Uh, hopefully I didn't run through those too quickly, but I really appreciate your time, and especially here towards the end of the conference. Thanks so much.